1: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God.
0: And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.
1: Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning to the podcast. This is our Monday edition of the podcast. This is a new week, a new month. This is the 1st of May, and so the podcast turns over a new month once again. We thank the Lord for that. We had over 1,100 downloads in the month of April, and that's just those that download, not those that direct listen. So it's hard to know how many direct listen, but we certainly are thankful for each and every person that tunes in, each and every person that listens every week. We're going to stay in the book of Job here uh, again today and continue pressing on in the book of Job. But I want to thank the Lord for the good weekend we had. We thank the Lord for the folks there at the Bible Baptist Church in Waldorf, Maryland. And we thank the Lord for allowing us to be there once again with the folks there. I had met Brother Tim Black and his parents at a meeting in West Virginia when I first went to evangelism over 16 years ago. And we thank the Lord that we've been able to stay in contact and, and going down preaching in Waldorf now, where he's now pastoring the church there. And then also, uh, not quite 16 years ago, I had met his brother David, who was pastoring the King James Baptist Church. And that's in Nanjamoy, Maryland. And so I had had the privilege of preaching Nanjamoy some 15 and a half years ago. His brother David is now with the Lord. Uh, We got to meet the new pastor last year there, and thank God they're still holding forth the word of truth. So we got two Bible-believing churches down there on the the western shore of Maryland, between the bay and the river, and we thank the Lord for them, thank the Lord for the word of God being pressed on there. And so we rejoice that the Lord still has a remnant, he still has churches, he still has people preaching the word of God. As we go to the book of Job again today, we're going to be in Job 14, and we're going to press on with that. Uh, But it's important to understand a couple of things before I go into Job 14. One of those things is how how are these things given by inspiration of God? How are these words, these men that contend with Job, the Lord said they spoke not rightfully, yet the word of God penned down everything these men said to Job that God saw fit to give to us. And as they spake, God had it recorded. And of course, the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And whoever the writer of the book of Job is, which there is some clues to that later on, uh is some understanding that that other men have helped me with to understand who wrote the book of Job. Uh, but it's eyewitness accounts in some places, and you realize, and but yet by the Holy Ghost, when these men would speak, they would tell the truth. And men would go back and write scripture. That took place before the Holy Ghost would bring these things to mind. He would speak through them by the Holy Ghost. That's what he's doing. These men are contending with Job. You see a spiritual battle. You see good and evil. You see right and wrong. You see light and darkness. You see that battle throughout the book of Job. And it's one of the important things to understand in the book of Job. It's not a a book to be taken literal in every place because there's prophecy there's some pretty heavy prophecy, but then we also see that spiritual battle. and That's what a lot of, I think, the commentaries miss, a lot of comments on Job miss. And I'd like to read a small, a very short passage, a small passage in Ezekiel 21. And I'm going to read just three verses. But verse 25 is, thou profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come when iniquity shall have an end. Now, we know that uh, this profane prince of Israel, that profane one, is that one that has turned the holiness of God into profanity, into lasciviousness. We know that he is a prince in Israel. We also know his day is come. There is a day when that wicked shall be revealed. And he said, when iniquity shall have an end. And uh, there's a day coming. That day when it comes, iniquity will have an end. And initially, God is going to permit men; He's going to let men depart from iniquity. But then there's also a time coming that men will be able to not be depart from iniquity. It'll be a day of iniquity. That day also is going to come to an end. For He said, "Thus saith the Lord God: Remove the diadem and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high." That's what the Lord's going to do in that day. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it. That's thrice holy. And it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it him. Now, he's talking with that crown, he's with that diadem, he's talking with that prince in Israel, that one that sits upon the throne. Jesus Christ is not going to be a prince in Israel. We know according to Ezekiel 28, there is a prince in Tyrus. We also know according to Ezekiel 28, there is a king in Tyrus. And everything that Jesus Christ does is mimicked. Everything that Jesus Christ is, is mocked. Everything that God does, there's an imitation. There's a true word of God, there's a false word of God. There's true churches, there's false churches. Uh, There's true uh, doctrine, there's false doctrine. There's true music, there's false music. Everything we look at, everything in scripture, you see that there's truth to, there's also an error that contradicts it. And it so closely parallels that many today have fallen into a snare. Many have been duped with it. We were discussing today, a pastor friend and I were discussing the Christian schools in the area. And I use that term in in the smaller case, you know, see a Christian in air quotes, I guess you would. And that's uh, Christianity and and it's generalism. And we talked about these schools and how they've basically sold their souls for money. They've compromised all their values. They brought in praise teams and worship teams and false versions and false teachers. And yet they're called Christian schools and parents expect them to be good moral places. And some of them do have high standards. Some of them have very rigid standards. Some of them, the children are very respectful. And uh, there's a lot of appearance, but you know, you go to Brigham Young University and there's going to be a lot of kindness shown to people. Go to Oral Roberts University, be respectful young people. Uh, you go to St. Francis University, be respectful young people. They're trained well. They have, uh, many of them have good morality, at least in the world's eyes. They're not uh, absolutely vile people. They're decent in as far as their moral compass and they have some type of agenda in life. And that's what most people are looking for. Because that that spirit of Antichrist, which is in the world today, has lulled people to sleep with a false sense of who Jesus Christ is, a false sense of the word of God, a false sense of what religion is. And one of the great dupes of that has been the education of young people. They've been sold a bill of goods. It looks religious. It sounds religious. On paper, it looks good. And they have bought it hook, line, and sinker. And that's what Job is dealing with in Job 14. He gets into that little bit, why it's important to cover that. Because this man that is born of a woman is few days and full of trouble. And he's making a statement there. Man that is born of a woman, it's very distinct, it's very personal, is of few days and full of trouble. Why is he full of trouble? He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Man doesn't have much hope in this life. Man doesn't have much hope in this world. The average person born into this world, it would have been better for them had they never been born. And people say, well, they're disadvantaged. Well, I do thank the Lord. I had uh, a King James Bible in my hand. I had a King James Bible at school. I had a King James Bible at church. I had a King James Bible at home when I was a young man. How I thank the Lord for that. I praise the great God of heaven for that. That is a great advantage. However, had I not had those, had I not had that privilege, had I not had that benefit, I would be obligated to seek the God of heaven anyway, according to scripture. I would look at the nature around me and realize there's a God in heaven. I would hear the voice of my conscience speaking, and I would know that there were things that were right and wrong. I would have a a moral compass, if you will, as we spoke about earlier, would direct me and guide me, and through that I'd be obligated to seek God. I would know there was something more. I always go back to Mitsuo Fuchida, the lead attack plane at Pearl Harbor. He was the commander of the squadron that attacked Pearl Harbor. Mitsuo Fuchida, after the war, was a simple chicken farmer. And one day, he's looking at his chickens, it dawns on him. He realized there's more Uh, to keeping these chickens alive than what he's doing. He realized there's something intervening in these chickens' lives because he's just a simple man. He was a pilot. He was a very skilled pilot, one of the greatest pilots to ever live in this world. And yet MacArthur gave him a plot of land, made him a chicken farmer, gave him a job. He learned how to farm, but he was no good at it. And yet the chickens were still living. He realized, as he said, there was more, something stronger, something higher and he began to seek after what that was. And it wasn't too much later, the war crimes trial, that he was handed that gospel tract. I was a prisoner of Japan. And it pricked his heart. And he began to scour Tokyo until he found a Bible in a bookstore. And in his native tongue, in Japanese, he began to read the Bible. And he speaks of a glorious conversion to Jesus Christ. And that's a peculiar thing because not many will do that, especially not those that are a hero or those that consider a God in their religion, but yet God wants to do that for every man. God is willing to do that for every man. If they would just seek God out, but yet most men are cut down, most are shadowed, they continue not. He said, and dost thou open thine eyes upon such and one, and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. And that's why God doesn't consider man. He doesn't look at uh, man in his life and man in his goodness and man in his his cleanness. No, God does not consider that. What he considers today is his son, Jesus Christ. What he sees in man today, does he have the son or not? he that have the son hath life. he hath have the, not the son of God, hath not life. That's what God looks at today. It's impossible for us to deliver ourselves. It's impossible for us uh, to bring a clean out of an unclean thing. And we are all an unclean thing. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And so he, Job is telling us that. He's explaining that to us. There's nothing clean God can bring out of us. And that's why so many people in religion are in trouble today. They've gotten so clean. They've gotten so far with God. And they look back and they realize that their life is absolutely cleaned up the best they can, but if they'll look to Jesus Christ, they'll find out they're still miserably wretched and filthy and unclean. But they're not looking at Jesus Christ, they're looking at themselves. They're comparing themselves amongst themselves, which is not wise. But if they would look to Jesus Christ, they would see their uncleanness. If they would look to his holiness, they would see how wretched they are and how vile they are. But they don't look to him. They look at their friends or they look to their pastor or they look to religious people. They say, look how clean they are. Look how well they dress. Look how nice they are. And by the way, one of the great failures of people is they judge everything based on manners and cleanliness and politeness and niceties, and you can't judge anything by those things. I myself am not a warm, fuzzy guy. It'd be a shame for somebody to look at that and judge me based on that and say, well, McVeigh's not a warm, fuzzy guy, therefore, you know he, you know, I am a little bit better than him. I'm a little bit higher than he is. He doesn't always say hi to people. He doesn't always shake hands with people. He's not Mr. Fuzzy. And, you know, I'm Mr. Fuzzy. And, and that, But yet, that'd be so foolish. And I, I look at my own life and I think how foolish you would be to compare anything to my life. To compare anything you have to my life. How silly that would be. And how wretched that would be. there's people that do that. And then they'll look for a leg up or a way up. they say, well, we're cleaner than they are. Our house is cleaner than their house. Our life is better than their life. And yet that's the judge. That's because they're judging that. They'll be judged of that. And you can't be clean. God can't bring a clean thing out of the unclean. God cannot take you as an unclean thing. God has to make you clean to the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can be made clean. And yet, those folks today that will not come through Jesus Christ—they're doing everything they can. And a dear man stood in the church there a couple of weeks ago, and he testified. He talked about those apples falling upon the ground. He kept looking at those apples and. The fruit of his life. And he realized that some of them were bruised and some of them are rotten and some of them seem to be good fruit. But the whole time, all he's doing, looking at the apple, looking at the apple, not looking at the tree. He's not judging. And by the way, Job talks about that. If we get there today, he talks about that in this chapter. They're not looking at the tree. They're looking at the fruit or what they deem as the fruit. Yet so many of that fruit has worms and so much of that fruit has, has spots and has bruises and is sour. They will not deal with the tree itself. They don't look at where that fruit's coming from. And he says, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish his hireling his days. And it's interesting as Job says this, but he said in verse 5, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. That's interesting. He says thee there. Thou hast appointed his bounds and he cannot pass. Job, no doubt, is talking to someone else here. And he's not talking to his friends, and he's not talking to his companions, but he's talking to the Lord. He's telling the Lord what the Lord knows already, but he's also speaking as this great prophet of God. For there is hope of a tree if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. That's the hope of a tree that's cut down. And by the way, some of that is prophetic. There's no doubt because there was a tree that was cut down. It was cast into bitter waters and made the bitter waters sweet. And that tree then sprouted again. There was a tree that died. There was a tree that if a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That's Jesus Christ as the resurrection. He said, "The tender branch thereof will not cease, though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground." Yet through the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. Though everything appears dead, that scent of water, that precious water of the word of God, through that scent of that water, that which appears to be dead, that which appears to be bruised, that which appears to be destroyed, it's been cut down, there's nothing left, but that scent of water can bring it to life again, will revive it again, Twofold, fold there. One, of course, we know it's the resurrection. We see that. But secondly, can I say to you, it's that spiritual resurrection. Ye that were dead in trespasses and sins. It may appear there's no life, but that scent of water will cause those roots to stir. That scent of water will cause it to bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. And that's what Job is speaking of here. Again, physical resurrection, yes. Spiritual resurrection, absolutely. He's talking about if a man die, we'll talk about that later in this chapter, will he live again? Yes, in the resurrection there is life. Thank you for tuning in. Join us again tomorrow as we'll try to finish out this chapter.
0: There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy